Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. A new exhibit opened last January at St. Louis's Contemporary Art Museum, which is better known as CAM. Shelter is the first major solo museum exhibition for artist Derek Forjour. The site-specific installation features a space transformed with a dirt floor and corrugated metal walls. It's designed to place patrons in the, quote, heart of a storm and evoke notions of safety, crisis, and impending harm. Well, that was January, and then the storm came. It came to the entire globe in the coronavirus. And in March, CAM, like so many other museums, shut down. Now the museum is open again, and it's offering a new micro-program that ties Forjour's work into everything that's happened in the last six months. And so joining us today to talk about it is the chief curator for the Contemporary Art Museum St. Louis, uh, Wasan Al-Kuderi. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Sarah, for having me. So you planned this Derek Forjour exhibition long before the world was thinking about the coronavirus. And I have to wonder, as everything was starting to blow up this winter, did you ever think, wow, it's, it's like we saw this coming? Well, I think that uh, Shelter and Derek's work explores a lot of things that have been going on sort of just under the surface of this country's sort of social and political um, sort of place. Um, but I don't think we could have <laughs> anticipated COVID-19 at all. Um, but I think that that's how we came to this program after Shelter when, you know, just realizing how context can really change the way we look at contemporary art. And um, even though a lot of the ideas Derek was is interested in, um, you know, are still present in the work, the way that our context shifts our perspective allows us to access the work in a completely new way, I think. Hmm. So if we'd been paying good attention to current events, the themes in this show would have made just as much sense before the coronavirus as in this just truly strange moment we're in now. Absolutely, because, you know, Derek's work explores issues of race and identity uh, and inequality and systemic racism. Um, And he does this by really creating this immersive installation, like you said, that, you know, has sound elements, has physical elements like the uneven dirt floor, all of these things placing you in a very vulnerable state. And that kind of sense of vulnerability is is sort of how we're all feeling now. And I think a lot of people in our communities feel that way normally, but I think everybody can say that they feel some sense of vulnerability uh, now. Hmm. So this site-specific installation um, that that was put up again, this is back in January, uh, we mentioned these corrugated metal walls, but there's so much more um, going on than that. Paint us a picture of if somebody walked into this part of the museum today, what are they going to see? Well, it's a fully uh, transformed space. You wouldn't recognize it as if you were even in a museum. So you would en- you enter um, the gallery and all of the walls have been covered with rusted sort of metal sheeting. There are uh, draping blue tarps kind of over above your head. Um, you can hear the sound of rain hitting the tin roof. Um, the floor, we, we had to bring in 22,000 uh, pounds of dirt <laughs> to fill the floor. 22,000? So, Where do you even get that much dirt? <laughs> we, we got it from a local company here in St. Louis um, and had it trucked in. And so it forms this very uneven dirt floor, which is very intentional. You know, Derek wants you to feel sort of this instability under your feet. Hmm. Um, and so all of these things kind of exist in a space. And then within that space are hung 
Derek's paintings, uh, which is a whole other layer, I think. Um, these paintings are um, these beautiful um, images of cheerleaders and splits, drum majors and backbends, athletes kind of posing in group photos. And these are, are the way that Derek uses metaphor and pageantry of sport as a way to consider questions of marginalization and inequity in America. So it's it, the space kind of opens up to you. First, it brings you into this kind of shelter, this literal shelter, uh, where you sense this sort of impending sense of harm. And then there are these paintings in it that kind of speak to even a deeper uh, issue of of the kinds of troubles that I think we are facing as a nation. Hmm. And these paintings, it, it's interesting because, you know, you're, you're giving people this sense of unease, yet these paintings are just, they're they're beautiful and they're, they're so approachable. It, the combination of the two, it, it's so striking. And it, it did make me wonder um, a lot about Derek and, and his background. Can you tell us a bit about his biography? Sure. Um, Derek grew up in Memphis, um, uh, Tennessee, and talks about how he remembers coming to St. Louis often on road trips with his family. Hmm. He currently lives uh, and works in New York. Um, and his his parents uh, immigrated to the U.S. from Ghana. And so he has um, a, a lot of uh, memories going back home um, and visiting family in Ghana. And those, those things play into the way that he thinks of um, this idea of shelter, of this sense of people moving migratory patterns either by choice or by force and people having to seek shelter a roof over their head the other thing that is really interesting about the paintings is that what you can't see in the images is they're made up of layers and layers of materials Hmm. and Derek uses uh, mundane materials very intentionally cardboard and newspaper and newsprint, things that all of us have in our homes, really. And that idea of taking something used or something old and turning it into something new, breathing new life into something that's already existing is another thing that I think is about a way to tie his kind of background um, and his the way that he was brought up. Hmm. Well, there's just there's so much there um, for people to grapple with. And, uh, you know, I know you had this exhibition open for about two months um, before the coronavirus just changed everything. What kind of reaction were you getting from museum goers? Um, before we closed yes. or after? Yeah, before we closed, I think people were just really excited to be in the space. And really, um, I think this space is so transformed that people are shocked by just the way and it transports you to a completely different space. You know, some people um, have talked about how it reminds them of, you know, church revivals in the South. Other people mm. have talked about uh, it It reminds them of uh, FEMA coming in, say, after a hurricane and creating shelters for people that um, have lost their homes. So the, the universality of the installation, I think, is what makes it so successful. You know, any kind of walk in, of life you come from, you can find a relatability to that. And that was already happening before COVID and our current kind of social uh, climate. So I think that is what is so powerful about it. It must have been such a bummer. I mean, here you have people really connecting to this this great exhibit and so much work has gone into this, thousands of of tons of dirt. Uh, And then you have to close the museum down. Was that just a heartbreaker? Yeah, 
it's difficult, but you know, we, we are really, um, you know, safety of our staff and our visitors is of the utmost importance to us. So, um, it, we had to close like everyone else in town, we had to close. And I think what's exciting is that we've been able to implement a number of measures now to allow us to reopen, um, where, you know, this exhibition would not have still been up. So we had to go through a lot of permissions from different people who own all the things that are in the building Mm. to ask them to keep it up and let us reopen it. But I think, you know, everybody believes in the vision of this project and exhibition that um, people were so accommodating and wanted us to be able to allow for the St. Louis communities to come back in and see the work again. Hmm. And now it's not just this work of shelter. You also added uh, what you call a micro program called After Shelter. Um, When did you get the idea to add this um, to the reopening? Well, we were thinking about what it will be like for people to experience the exhibition after we reopen. And because of our COVID-19 restrictions, we have um, a capacity on how many people can enter the building. Um, And so I was speaking with our new learning and engagement director, Michelle December, about how this installation is going to resonate with people in another way because people have just come out of a stay-at-home order. People have had to be in their respective shelters for for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I we kind of talked about what it would feel like if we could capture people's thoughts today so that, you know, in 10 years or in 20 years or in 30 years, when we come back to this moment, we have these little capsules of stories that people, you know, contributed that capture this current moment of how people are feeling. And contemporary art has a way to really allow people people to kind of open up and to reflect on how they might be feeling. Um, And the art sort of serves as the medium for that. So she was, she had this great idea. She said, you know, StoryCorps has a platform where we can collect all this. So, you know, through that conversation, you know, we came up with this idea of a micro program, which is also so important because we don't want to have people close to each other. So, you know, you get to have the gallery to yourself. You get to be in this installation all alone, really reflecting on, you know, the last couple of months and what it means to you. And then all of that gets recorded and submitted through the StoryCorps platform um, so that it's sort of there for for future, um, a future public of, of anyone who wants to know, like, what did it feel like to be in St. Louis at this time? during all of this. And some of these remembrances from people, they are just so interesting. And we're actually, uh, we've gotten permission from the museum and from the people who gave them. When we come back from our break, we're going to play some of those for you. Um, People responding to the exhibit shelter and to responding to what we've all lived through in these past couple months. And I I can't wait to play that for everybody. So uh, we're talking right now to the Contemporary Art Museum's chief curator. That's Wasan Al-Kudari. And this is about the After Shelter micro program. We need to take a quick break. We'll be back very shortly shortly to continue this conversation and play some of those audio remembrances. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. 
And now back to our conversation. We're talking to Wasan Al-Khudari. She's the chief curator at the Contemporary Art Museum St. Louis. And its new micro program is called After Shelter. It's in conjunction with the exhibit Shelter. That's uh, artist Derek Forjor's painting, sculpture, a site-specific installation right there at the museum. And as Wasan was explaining, as part of this, the museum is now asking people to record uh, their remembrances, both responding to this artwork and of this time of COVID-19. You kicked this part off about two weeks ago. Um, Have people been willing to open up in response to these questions? Yeah, people have been really excited to participate. We have been really uh, overwhelmed with the response. Um, Since we've been open, we've had about 50 people participate. Hmm. Um, So that's really exciting. And we're going to share some of these uh, participatory responses here. Our producer, Emily Woodbury, compiled some of them for us. So here are some of the answers the Contemporary Art Museum got. We're sharing them with the speaker's permission. And one note, uh, Wasan had mentioned earlier, you can, uh, the exhibit includes the sound of rain falling, and you can actually hear that rain falling as the speakers talk. What does it feel like experiencing this artwork right now? I, I just kind of feel like I, I'm overcome with emotion walking into this exhibit, and just like the contrast with the bright and bold colors, you just kind of, and then with the rain above, so it's just like a lot's going on, so it's a lot to take in and just... It's like an out-of-body experience. Yeah, it's almost... You're transported to where the artist wanted you to feel like where he came from yeah from the 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 floor what you feel the dirt beneath you or under you the cotton and the cans and just everything it's like kind of pulls in all of your senses so i think the first time i came in i definitely like cried um and i think even now um it just still it just speaks to a lot for me like it's very black (laughs) like it's very like pulls in a lot it makes me think of like childhood and like putting buckets on the floor when there was rain and stuff like that um I don't know, it's just a very real space, I guess. I was um, living in Israel during the war and had to live in a bomb shelter. So part of this reminds me of that same sort of feeling that I felt. Um, And I also feel a dystopian feeling of everything's gone, we've had a pandemic, and these are the rusty remains and beautiful artwork to remind us of when we could crowd together, do things together and not worry about social distancing and uh, everything that this pandemic has made us aware of and afraid of. Um, I think shelter as an installation is such a beautiful symbol of just the fragility of our security and how uh, we don't realize on the daily that how, how lucky we are, how fortunate we are, and, mm-hmm. and the security that we are provided um, through our daily life, through the fact that our homes look the way they look, and our access to services and all sorts of things. How have the last four months shaped you? Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're <to> starting. <laughs> it, it kind of broke us down, but also put a fire under us. Mm-hmm. Um, the last four months has changed kind of the way we see people and human experience and, and interactions and what we value more so than what we're told to value. So the last four months have made us see things differently and, and uh, appreciate what matters in the world. Uh, what is your hope for the future? Yeah, well, I hope that 
uh, I think just between everything that's happened this year, because 2020 has been quite the year, um, and I think that it has exposed a lot. So I would love for us to, number one, have just a very anti-racist society um, where people who, no matter what color you are, you know, there's equitable resources for people. We have a president and leadership that represents the people and speaks for the people and not just the people that spread hate and stuff. It's just like we all continue to unify and truly be like the United States of America and represent I think what, like, even though our father and fathers had their own issues, I think that their desire was to build this space, so that was unified. So that's kind of my hope for the future. Um, I would love to continue, I guess, fighting through all sorts of movements and, and mediums, um, literature and art included, and not just uh, movements in the streets necessarily, um, seeing, seeing designated spaces for folks that are typically not included um, and typically don't have a seat at the table. So, My hope for the future, God willing, I live to see it, is that we have racial equality, we have social justice, that people can respect one another for whom they, who they are. I hope with everything that's like going on right now, change. Yeah, like let's, let's stir some shit up in the best way. Like let's continue to do so. But I feel like the power is like, in my generation's hands and just like the people younger. So like if we can start making sure we're staying educated and like educating others and you. And I, I hope for more prominent black voices. Yeah. Um, art exhibits like this that kind of switch it up because most art museums that are out there are all based on white artists from the past and you don't get to see as much of that, the, the black art. So I, I really appreciate yeah, this, yeah. Yeah, exactly. All, not not just black, but more than Caucasian voices and, and artists. And those are museum patrons at the Contemporary Art Museum St. Louis responding to shelter as part of the After Shelter micro program. Wasan, that's a remarkable collection of voices there. Uh, what strikes you in listening back to it today? I mean, I think that what I think is so great about this is... Um, you know, the ambitions that people have for our society and for the future of our country. Um, And I think that something that Cam has been doing for a long time, but has also been central to, you know, my practice as a curator is bringing different voices to the table and allowing for space at our museum um, to, to open up opportunities for the public to see things from different people's points of views, which I think contemporary art can often offer. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting to hear some of these people just drawing on their own experiences as they're contemplating this. You know, the woman who talked about living in a bomb shelter um, and the man who talked about crying. It, it feels like people mm-hmm. are just relating to this in such individual ways, but there's also sort of a, a collective voice there that comes out of it. Absolutely. And I think that kind of collective voice is what we were hoping for with this project, because, you know, what it does is it allows for us to to contribute to an archive um, that is going to have this information. Again, like I said, for people in the future to be able to say, you know, I wonder what people were thinking about in St. Louis or how were people processing this moment? And here you have an example of a work of art that gives you the prompts to allow you to think deeper about your own personal experience. And then together you add the voices all become a kind of collective 
voice. And as you mentioned, these are going, uh, they're going to be archived and shared with StoryCorps. And for people who are not familiar with that work, uh, who who is StoryCorps? StoryCorps is um, a national nonprofit, and their mission is to preserve and share humanity's stories. Mm. Um, And they have their own programming, but they also have a platform where you can contribute um, stories to. And so we have created sort of an account through their portal, um, and we uh, upload the stories after uh, people come in and do their recordings. And it's public. Anyone can access it. So about 10 of them have been uploaded to the StoryCorps site of the 50 that have been done. So it's a little bit of a slow process, but eventually they'll all be there. Um, And anyone can go to um, archive.storycorps.org and type in Contemporary Art Museum St. Louis into the search bar, and then you'll find the results. There's also a link to it from our website, camstall.org. And then because of that, they're going to be um, stored uh, at the American Folklife Center at the Library of Congress. That seems like such a huge and and weighty deal. Yes, yes. So, I mean, I encourage people to come out and experience the installation. And if you feel moved to make a recording and have your voice be part of, you know, this archive. So people could be listening back to these recordings, as you say, 10 years from now. They could be listening back to this 100 years from now. What do you hope that, or I guess a better question would be, what do you think people might take away from some of these remembrances a century from now? I think I think that we're living in unprecedented times. And I think that um, people in the future will want to not just read the newspaper headlines about what happened, but to really understand how it affected people on an individual um, basis from a personal experience. So I think that this is going to be that opportunity for you to make a kind of very human connection with someone from the past to really understand what that, you know, what that experience must have been like to be living in this in this time that has not ended. <laughs> Let me be clear. It is, it is definitely <laughs> still going on. But uh, for, for people who love art and want to be a part of this, uh, Shelter is also still going on. I understand that's going to be here for, uh, oh, I'm blanking. Is it another month that that'll be open to the public? Yes, through August 23rd. Okay, so if people want to be a part of that, uh, the Contemporary Art Museum, they have all sorts of safety protocols outlined on their website. I recommend you yes. give it a read, plan to show up with your mask, and add your voice to this this wonderful collective voice. So, uh, Wasan Al-Kuderi, I want to thank you so much for joining us today and, and talking us through all this. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. And I do, I do want to say CAM is free just one more time because I know sometimes people don't know that. So please come visit us. I think that's a great note to add. You cannot let cost <laughs> stop you from participating in this. Um, yes. So thank you, Wasan. And Wasan, Thank you again, for having me. Uh, Wasan is the chief curator at the Contemporary Art Museum St. Louis, a free museum, as she wisely accents there. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.